Hello, hello. Welcome back to Not Another FPL Pod on Toto Football. And welcome back to Rich. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. I um, I had a shocker of a week in FPL, but I think quite a lot of people did. So um, it seems like we are weekly surgery and sort of like, you know, therapy for people at the minute, mate. But yeah, uh, a very, 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 very poor week looking at it. But um, I'll survive. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. A really small red arrow. But, you know, I am trying to take this season a bit more chill, trying to, you know, bide my time, see how it goes. Um, not be as last minute or not be on it as much, which is quite enjoyable, you know, taking a step back and enjoying the other parts of it, which is brainstorming and never putting them players in. But, you know, as I said, part <laughs> of the parcel. Uh, before we move on, just want to shout out those on YouTube because you probably can see we've got some new cheeky little graphics around us with our nice Not Another FPL pod colours with all our socials on it. It's looking lovely. And that's thanks to FPL Nim. That's N-Y-M. She did these for us. She's great at it. She's really good at it. If you don't follow her on Twitter already, give her a follow. She does lots of FPL content as well. So that's really good to see. And yeah, Rich, what do you think of the new colours? Oh, yeah, love it. Love it. And like you say, massive shout out to him for this. Like one of the first ever sort of FPL ladies on Twitter or X as it's known now. So she's uh, one of the veterans, one of the people that you can go to for FPL advice and um, also sneaky, snazzy graphics. I absolutely love it. So, yeah, thank you very much, Nim. Exactly, exactly. Well, now we've done all our thinking and Rich has got lots of smiles on his face. Let's turn his smiles upside down. And sorry, mate, we have to talk about the Liverpool (laughs) nightmares. How are you feeling? Well, yeah, I'll talk about that in a minute. So I'm just having a quick look at my fall from grace. So in game week four, I was 72k with my hub team, loving life. Um, in the last three game weeks, mate, I've had two game week ranks of in the eight millions. So, so, so I've had two scores of 36 follow. And in the middle of that was a 72, but all of them have been red arrows and I'm now 1.2 million in the world. So that is a huge, huge <laughs> drop. Um, so yeah, not, not great. And then yeah, to, to compound my misery on the weekend, we had a bunch of clowns in charge of the Tottenham. Liverpool game I can't believe they've got the audio out but I have listened to it and it is as bad as or maybe even worse than um than I thought it was going to be but I've said it for a long time like I like VAR I like the concepts of it but if you've got people that are using it that aren't up to scratch then we're going to keep having mistakes like this and obviously they are just mistakes and these guys are just human but you know mistakes like that would probably cost me my job if I transfer that into my industry so yeah it's shambolic mate yeah no very very unlucky we won't dive too much into it but today when we're recording the telegraph are reporting that darren england's gonna not officiate a single liverpool game for the rest of the season which is just not helpful because it just means lots of managers are going to then complain about if a ref does something against them they're going to complain about he should be banned for the rest of the season for them if that's the only thing that howard webb works out out of this situation then he needs to go don't he mate I think, I think, yeah, like a lot of people are saying, oh, if this wasn't Liverpool, it wouldn't be being looked at. But I mean, I, I disagree with that. Um, I feel like we've had horrendous treatment from the officials over the last sort of like six to eight months. Andy Robertson got elbowed by a linesman and that was just, just dusted off as a misunderstanding. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's a Liverpool thing. I think it's a league wide thing. And I think that's why more people should be concerned with it because yeah, it's happened to us this week. It could happen to someone else next week. I think we're on about four apologies from PGMOL this season. Yeah. I think that's more goals than Chelsea have scored. Or something ridiculous, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. That's um, ridiculous, man. But, you know, like in seven game weeks, four apologies about like serious issues with our refereeing. And it's like, we're meant to be one of the biggest leagues in the world. And the Euros have been announced as coming to England and Ireland in 2028. So... You know, we're going to be right under the um, sort of under the spotlight for stadiums and stuff. And obviously our officials are going to be involved. But if they're the standard they are now, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, definitely. And when you were saying about that audio, like Howard Webb over the summer released some of the clips from last season. The audio is exactly the same. But instead of doing his old media PR campaign and just showing us the clips, he still didn't do anything to saw it. And you can tell it's a mess between the refs. There's too many voices too many people involved at the time with such a 
quick moment which look it when you've got that many chefs in the kitchen like and there is a lot of stress in them. You've got to give it to them. There is a lot yeah. of stress in them. You've got 60,000 a week, like average, probably moaning at you. They shouldn't have all these refs. And like, yeah, I think Howard Webb did too much PR stuff over the summer to make them look good to the media and then didn't actually sort out the issues that we've already had for a few years. I mean, if you look at, if specific, if we're talking about the Spurs-Liverpool game again, uh, Michael Oliver and um, Darren England were in... Uh, Saudi, I think it was a couple of days ago, doing an exhibition game. So it's like, you know, you can't surely. I think they said, "Oh, we're going to review people doing stuff like that." But like, there's an there is an element of a gentleman's club with the referees. They all want to look after each other, and you know, I think what they should be doing is using VAR to help them. Like in rugby, you know, cricket is quite good at it as well, where they're like, "Oh, I'm not quite sure about this. Can you just check this for me?" use it to help you rather than be like, oh no, VR and get involved. I'm not not sure about that. And the thing with this one is that if he clearly wasn't paying attention because he thought that they'd given a goal and he was like, yeah, that's all good. Yeah, that is. But he's obviously not paying attention because they flagged yeah. it for offside. It's just, I think the video operator had to say to him, are you sure about that? Like the video operator, it's just, yeah, it's bad, man. It's bad. It, it really is, and let's hope it gets sorted sooner rather than later. Anyways, back to the FPL content for now. Yeah, please get me off of this. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, We'll go to our typical weekly segment, which is punts of the week. Normally, this is just the punt we kind of go for for that week. But we're actually going to do three punts, each under 10%. That we are also looking a few weeks ahead as well, because we know a lot of people, including myself, are wildcard in this game week. Game week eight is a huge game week, in my opinion. It's going to sway a lot of people. Well, that's, that's knee jerk. That's knee jerk. Mate, I've had enough of my team. It's just D2 United, <laughs> boys. So I've had enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And I'll start first with my uh, first punt of the week or punts of the weeks. <laughs> and it is Dominic Solanke. It's 6.4 mil, 2.3% owned. He has averaged 4.4 points per match. This is the 10th best out of 94 forwards, despite having a really tough fixture list. Like I'm just going to read out the fixtures, Rich. Arsenal, Brighton, Chelsea, Brentford, Spurs, Liverpool and West Ham. And he's managed mm-hmm. 31 points, which is actually the seventh most points of all forwards in the game. What do you think about him? Yeah, I think that's decent, man, especially with the fixtures coming up. So what are we looking at? We're looking at Everton, Wolves, Burnley in the next three. Yeah, Obviously... There's a couple of tricky ones after that, but then he's got Sheffield United away. Yeah, I think I think you could do all right there, mate. Good shout. Yeah, I think for the price range, you can switch him out if you need to after a couple of weeks. But yeah, as you said, them three fixtures, Everton, Wolves and Burnley. Burnley, sorry. They're three teams leaking goals, battling the bottom half of the division. Bournemouth, I think a lot of people are judging them too early based on that fixture list they had. We're going to see them properly now. This is the true test for them. Maybe it is too early to jump on Solanke because we are still going to see what they're like. But with Iriola being this progressive, more attacking manager, Solanke still bagging points with these type yeah, of fixtures. Yeah, I'm I'm really feeling confident about it. He's definitely in my wild card. Number one choice for me. Uh, who is your first punt of the week, mate? Well, I've gone for Pedro Porro at Spurs. So he's, he's, a, he's a bit expensive, five million. But I'm, he's only 6.7% owned, and that might be because he's 5 million quid. I don't know. And um, Udogi is the sort of like the main, like in terms of ownership for a defender, and then Romero second. But because we're looking at my, like under 10%, I've gone for him because I want a piece of that Spurs defensive pie for the next few. Um, Luton could be a good game for him based on the chances conceded data as well. Um, so the next two after that favour Udogi a bit more. But I think um, I was having a look into it, and he's, uh, Porro is second for shots of all defenders, and only Matty Cash has had more. Um, wow. I mean, none of them have been on target, so I'll caveat <laughs> it straight away. None, none of them, none of them have that. been on target, but he has had the second most shots. But um, he's had 10 key passes. He's created two big chances, and that's resulted in two assists. So if he can if he can find his shooting boots, he might be dual threat, and that's lovely. Yeah. You know, that's lovely. So, yeah, what do you think, mate? I like it. I like it. And if Pedro Poro is for some reason listening to this podcast as the number one podcast that he enjoys, uh, then (laughs) Poro, get your shooting boots on, mate. Do a bit more training. 
down the other end of the pitch, yeah? Help Rich out. <laughs> I like it, though. I like it. I think, yeah, the looting game, everyone's going to try and triple up on Spurs. Everyone kind of wants a defender mm-hmm. in there, but an attacking one, because you just don't know with Spurs if you're going to get the clean sheet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I really like it. All right, man. Who's your um, Who's your next one? My next one is a Liverpool boy, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, 7.9 mil, 8% owned. He is back, and I've been waiting for him to be back for a while now. His injuries are annoying over the international break. He got 12 minutes or 16 minutes, I think, against Spurs. And I know a lot of people contemplate this transfer. He is someone who, if you can't get Salah, then for me, you should be going for Trent in the Liverpool squad. He has got the attacking returns. He's got the defensive returns. Brighton conceded six, and they've also been conceding a lot this season. Everton, Nottingham Forest, that's his next three fixtures. Then it's Luton and Brentford. He could get possibly clean sheets here, but I am looking at the attacking threat and the attacking points he could get. And also, normally I'd be worried about rotation, but with Liverpool in the Europa League, I know they don't really have much cover at right back, but I really feel like he will be rested in them games. And just before his injury, he got that 12-point Hall v Villa. And I expect more of these, bro. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you don't need to worry about rotation. I don't think he'll play at all in the Europa League. I think that's stick Joe Gomez at right back. Um, I mean, I really like Trent. And something that people are going to want to consider on wildcard is that you can buy Trent and Darwin for, I think it's 15.3 million. So total... Salah's 12.6 on his own. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to work it out. Like a Trent and Darwin gonna outscore Mo Salah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they run him close. Um we're not we're not really talking about Darwin too much on this pod. Well, maybe when we chat about something else later on, which I won't spoil just yet. But we've got Jota suspended, Gakpo's out for at least, probably a month, so that's gonna be a, a chunk of games. So it could be Darwin now, could be Darwin's spot to lose. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Trent. I, I can't, you know, yeah. defensively questionable sometimes. Don't think he's, don't think he's as bad as people make out. But yeah, if he's playing in that pocket role, if we stick by that, then yeah, he's a cheat code. Mate, for sure. And you're saying about his defending, but it's like goalkeepers these days. For some reason, no one cares about the saves. I saw Sky Sports comparing Onana and De Gea earlier today. And they just had his their passing. They didn't actually have the saves in there at all for the stats when yeah. they were comparing the two. I was mind blown, mind blown. But, you know, same as Trent. We don't really care about his defending anymore. You know, it's just one of them things. If you want him to be the world-class attacker he is, you take the little negative trait, the really small negative trait of he's not the best defender in the league. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I think um, the Onana thing... God, if that's what we're using to compare goalkeepers nowadays, we're avoiding saves because he's he does loads of good passes. I think I saw a still of him tr- last night, looked like Superman trying to save a shot. Like just went in, it's terrible. But anyway, if, if we not don't need to talk about Man United. Shall I mention my second go for it, pick? Mate. Mate? Shall I just go straight in? Um, so this one, it's a bit boring, but I've gone for Pau Torres at Villa. So he's four and a half mil. He's only two point two percent owned. So. Looking at his heat maps and stuff, he's not. I wouldn't say he's an attacking threat. He hasn't. He's he's not bombing forward because you've got Cash one side, Luca Dean the other side, and good luck to you if you want to go with Luca Dean. He's already on four yellows, and he's no. probably going to troll you soon. Um, but Pau Torres is cheap, lowly owned route into a team coming up against teams that are on the wrong end of the XG table. So they yeah, they could get some clean sheets, you know, in the next few. Um, and yeah, because it's a differentials because we're picking punts. It's Pau Torres, obviously. For similar money, go Matty Cash if you're not worried about being differential. But yeah, Pau Torres, mate, any thoughts? Um, yeah, it feels similar to your Shah one, where if this is the case, then you should pick every other Aston Villa defender. <laughs> I'm joking, I like it. None I really of, none like of them it. are under 10%. <laughs> I re- that's I oh, know no, Dan Byrne, it was Dan Byrne, wasn't it? He was, oh, that was it. I yeah, got the wrong yeah. one. So it'll um... be Concer that gets the goal now. So go and get Concer <laughs> if he's under 10%. Owned. So, yeah, no, I do like it, though. I do like it. I think he has played well. They've got Europe as well to deal with. So, arguably, you'd play him more in the Premier League, I'd say, for now, because they do have a bit of depth without Mings still. So, I do really like that. And, yeah, Villa do look decent this season. Very enjoying them. He was your last pick. (laughs) 
this one's the riskiest punt of them all, which bearing in mind I've done Solanke is hilarious because it's a Man United player. But it's um, Rasmus Hodgland, 7.1 mil, 4.8% owned. Look, I know it's risky. Man United are on shocking form. And I don't know if I've just put him in to kind of talk about their recent results, including loss to the pride of South London, Crystal Palace. And then the other one to Galatasaray with South London born and bred Crystal Palace legend Wilfred Zahar scoring and cupping his ears, just like this for any of United fans who don't watch the game. Thanks, United, Wilfred Zahar as well. Yeah. United. Yeah. So that was chef's kiss. It was. But <laughs> anyways, enough of the gloating uh, that we seem to do weekly about Man United. But, you know, it's their banter era, sadly, for them. <laughs> so we'll do it. But yeah, he looks really good. I think the Galatasaray game showed all his qualities. Two goals, could have got a third, was offside, but you know, it was still really good. And what I really like about him is the way he holds up the ball, the way he can pass, the vision he has, the way he can still dribble on the ball for his size. And you know, for his age, he just looks like he has all the qualities of a top striker. You know, he had a shot cleared off the line against Palace as well. So he has he is getting goal scoring opportunities. I know he's yet to get that goal. But his next two games are Brentford, who are conceding a lot. Bang average goalkeeper and Fleck, and I'll ask you about him in a minute, Rich. And then they've got Sheffield United. Must wins for Man United, these games. Defence is so poor, you kind of think they might have to just go for these games by scoring more than the opposition. What do you think, mate? I think if United start doing that, it makes all of their assets more appealing, to be honest. Because at the moment, Rashford's just not producing from an FPL point of view. Um like Bruno, I don't mind keeping Bruno, for example, because he's on pens. Uh, and like you say, they've got Sheffield United next week. But yeah, Brentford, I don't really know what's happened. I'm, maybe it's the Rico Henry thing. I think we mentioned this Friday on the space. Like Rico Henry's a big loss to them. And Flecken, who I think a lot of FBI managers kind of had him locked in. It's like, yeah, decent option, actually. Good. But yeah, he's just not keeping clean sheets. Going back to Hodgland, I was desperately hoping he was just Harland off of Wish. Just so much money for this young kid that is rubbish. I was really hoping that, um, especially because United were given Darwin grief last year, and obviously that's gone away now because yeah. Darwin's sensational. Um, but yeah, this Hoshlin looks like a tidy player, holds the ball up well. Which once United are on song, that benefits your, you know, your Rashford, etc. So yeah, I like it. I say I like it. It's Man United. I don't like <laughs> it, but I think it, I think it could pay off over the next few. Yeah. I know what to get you for Christmas now. Hodgland, Man United shirt. Put that right. You my dress, right mate. Next, in between that Gerard one and the space there, you can get it right there. Not telling you where <laughs> I live. Oh, but yeah, uh, that's my last one. Who's your last one, mate? Right, this is everyone's last chance to get this guy in because he's 9.5% owned. He's been heavily mentioned on the pod and he's still only 9.5% owned. It's Luis Diaz. He's, he's had a price drop as well. He's back down to 7.5 mil. So he's back to his original price. Like I said earlier, Jota suspended. Gakpo's injured. His minutes are a bit sketchy. Like he he does get subbed off or subbed on. Um, but I'm still, I maintain that after Salah, he's the most nailed of our front three. Like he, that left wing's his. Like I can't see somebody keeping him out of that spot for a long run of games. He's just too good. He vibes just pure vibes i love him um i looked at the stats of midfielders at his price and under and he's fifth for xg and big chances but he's played like 100 200 minutes less than some of these guys so he's still putting up good numbers on reduced minutes so and he had a perfectly good goal disallowed at the weekend which i know we've mentioned it before i'll mention it again but that's a great finish as well great finish he's a great player so yeah. last chance He'll be 10% owned before long, especially with our fixtures. Like you said earlier, we've got Everton, Forest, and then there was another one that I should probably know. But um, I think Brighton also we can do well against. And I think we've got Luton coming up. So, yeah, good fixtures. If you're on wildcard, and I know one of my mates, Lee, highly, is on, he's going on wild, he's really tempted to go on wildcard, and he's not sure about Salah or no Salah. And I know that there might be some chat about that on the pod. Um but I think Luis Diaz is a lovely little way into Liverpool's attack. Yeah, massively agrees a baller. And I think when you've got that fully fit, like front six or however many players you've got, sometimes it feels like Jota, Nunes and Gakpo are fighting for the same spot at the moment mm-hmm. when Diaz is 
is at his best because obviously the Salah one is just taken. I know yeah. Nunes and Jota can play on the left wing, but I feel like if you want to get the best out of your attack, you put Luis Diaz in there. I do really like him. I think it's a really good pull. pull. You'll talk about the wild card there. He's actually on mine at the moment. And the reason he's there is exactly why you're saying is because at the moment I'm no Salah. So we might as well move straight onto this topic. Right, and Mohamed Salah, how important is he for wildcarders? I think you've got to, I think you've almost got to commit one way or the other, personally. So um, if you're going with Salah, then you need to look at players like, um, I know Diaby's just come out as being injured for Villa, but that kind of price point. So um, Diaby, uh, I was going to say easy, but he's injured now, which is just horrible for you boys. Um, but like Matoma, for example. And I guess like you could almost look at it like, when do you want to wildcard? For people that are wildcarding this week, it's almost like Salah isn't, I mean, this is completely off the fly, on the fly now, but like Salah isn't necessarily essential because the players like Matoma, their fixtures don't get good until 10. So if you're going to wildcard in 10, then maybe you go Salah because Matoma's got good fixtures. Diaby's probably back from injury. Um, you know, maybe like a Ward-Prowse, you could probably buy now, but he'll also be decent in a couple. Um, so I think it is dependent on when you wildcard in. If you're wildcarding now, you still like Man United have got a reasonable game this week and then Sheffield United next week. So you're going to probably not necessarily going to want to sack that off straight away. So say you want a Bruno Fernandes, that's 8.4, which immediately you're thinking you're going to want Son as well, right? You know, probably Madison. All of these boys are slightly above this six and a half, seven mil price point that you need if you want Salah. And you've got a factor in as well. Do you want Haaland? Yes, probably, right? So if you want Haaland, Salah, Son, you're probably getting rid of Trippier. Your second striker is probably Dominic Solanke, like you said, you know. Whereas if you aren't going for him, you've probably got a more of a beefy midfield, I would assume. Yeah. Um, but I think... I think if you're wildcarding in nine or ten, Salah's probably slightly more important because of the players around him and their fixture swings. But if you're wildcarding this week, yeah, I think you can go without him, but just be prepared because people are going to captain him in like games against Luton, against Notts Forest, for example, they might captain him. So, yeah, massive, massively agree. And my midfields like Madison, Bowen, Son, Diaz, and someone else that I can't remember right now. But you know it's pretty strong. Oh and it's Neto. So you know it's pretty oh, strong. Yeah, okay. Um I'm kind of yeah. deliberating between him and Gordon. Uh I just there's something like I love the idea of Salah, but I just feel like most weeks I'm not gonna captain him if I have him. Okay. And for twelve point five mil, I feel like if I'm not gonna captain him, he's got a bag a couple of goals yeah. to beat the seven point five mil mids. And for me, the 6.5 mil mids, I really don't like them anymore. Like, I think we're seeing why they're priced at that. Matoma's getting rotated. Uh, and Buemo's mm. been shocking. Brentford have dropped off a cliff because they didn't replace Tony properly and they didn't replace their goalie well enough. Um, Eze got injured, you know. Gibbs White has got some good fixtures, but then he was rested on the weekend. So, you know, it's another one. Arguably, one of the best options at that price is War Prowls. But then, if I've got Bowen, I don't really want both. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's just a, it doesn't appeal to me that price range anymore. And I think as well, if you're going without Salah, you can have a stronger bench. So, I mean, another another side to what you've just said is that maybe you can go for these Gibbs Whites and Matomas because if they do get bench, you've got more cover. Whereas you're really squeezing out all of your transfer value if you've got Salah and Haaland. So then your bench is going to suffer. And so then you're potentially faced with some, you know, noughts, noughts coming off the bench, like Raheem Sterling just gets booked, comes off the bench. That's another story. So, yeah. And another thing to consider as well, like we said a minute ago, Lewis and Darwin, Diaz and Darwin, yeah. Trent and Darwin, Trent and Diaz, can they cover Salah if you're not going to captain him? And they they could do, you know, 
So there's lots of things to think about. I don't think, I think the only player that's essential is Haaland. And that is strictly an ownership thing because he's like 92% owned and that's about 10 million players. So that's meant that's mental. So yeah, yeah I, go against him for captaincy. Sure. But I'd at least have him as like some sort of just a bit of a safe floor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's, it's so interesting. I feel like you could maybe get away with getting two Liverpool players in to cover Salah and then having like better options elsewhere. I think a bench is actually going to be really key. We're coming up to the Christmas period. All the bigger teams are rotating, um, like Man City and that, you know. Alvarez, I think, has been dropped for today's game. That's good for FPL fans because he's been yeah. rested for Champions League. But, you know, that's not going to happen every week. And I think, what, it's your only wild card till January. So you're going to have to get through that Christmas period and you're going to need squad depth because the way players are dropping at the moment, they're dropping like flies and you just don't know what's going to happen. I think, honestly, I think about 12 teams in the Premier League can now happily rotate a lot of their players and be happy. Yeah. And they're not just doing it because of injuries. A lot of them are doing it to actually tactically deal with the opposition now, which is really interesting. Just makes it even harder for FPL. Uh so yeah, I think for now I'm off Salah. I I have had Salah in my team, my wildcard team, and Haaland out of it. I think at the moment I've been doing it just to deal with price people. You know, like I'm seeing like price mm. drops and stuff. So I've got right. players in who are rising in price just so I've got them covered. So because I just don't see Haaland rising in price, you know, and I can just mm-hmm. do the do the swap. But obviously, there's been a lot of chit chat. There's been a lot of chit chat. I've seen like Andy FPL Tactician, he's got a wild card set up without Haaland, one that he wants to keep. What do you think? I know you literally spoke about it there. Um, Harlan's kind of feels essential, but you know, for these people saying there's a hard fixture list coming up, few weeks without Harland, is it just so incredibly risky at this stage of the season? So, I mean, you're going to see a lot more people start to take these risks because they've had a bad start to the season. Fine, I get that, but that could that could also just like destroy your season completely if he goes off. I mean, yeah, he's got in his next three, he's away to Arsenal, at home to Brighton and away to Man United. But I don't really see, whilst some other players might outscore him in that game week, I don't see any of those as difficult fixtures for Haaland, personally. I just think he's an anomaly. He's a complete anomaly. Like, yeah, I'm... If you would go about Haaland, my assumption is you're going with Salah so that you've got that sort of premium captaincy option and probably Son just to cover. Um, yeah, so I understand why. I understand why, but yeah, it's a big, big risk. And yeah, Arsenal, what's to say he doesn't get a goal? Might not captain him. You could captain Son at Luton, Salah, Brighton. Then he's got Brighton, and then you're probably going to, you might captain, if you haven't got him, you captain Salah at Everton or Son at Fulham. Week after that, he's got United. Then you're probably captaining Salah at home to Notts Forest or Son away to Palace. No disrespect, mate. But he can still just smash it in all of those. Yeah. And, and then he's got Bournemouth in 11. And then everyone's like, well, Salah's got Luton in 11. So yeah, I can understand the logic behind it. But I don't think any of those fixtures are difficult for him. I just feel like his ceiling gets lower. Yeah, massively agree. And even the three fixtures, the the first, the next three, Arsenal, they battered Arsenal last season when Arsenal were at yeah. their highest. Yeah. Battered them. You know, I know it's away from home or at home. Either way round, I feel like he can do it. Man United, a league and goals for fun. And he's definitely going to play against them because it's a Manchester derby and Pep lost one of them last season. I know another call that went wrong, but, you know, he did lose it. And then... Uh, it just feels like Brighton are leaking so many goals. Esther Pinyan's injured now. So there's going to be more options there. City, no matter how it goes, I know they've had a strong start to the season, but they always do have a little buckle every season. And if their buckles, whilst Rodri's suspended, then when he's back, they're just going to be back firing again. And Haaland's going to be back. You know, well, he's never left, but you know what I mean? So it's just, it mm-hmm. just feels far too risky. I feel like you can get away with it maybe over Christmas or something like that. But for now, there's just no need. It doesn't seem like he's going to get rotated, especially with KDB uh, injured. Like, 
Alvarez yeah. has luckily been providing the goods for Pep. I don't even know if Pep thought Alvarez would have this good a start to the season, but I imagine if he didn't, like Pep would be stressed and it'd be a lot more on Haaland. So yeah, completely understand it. And another reason that people kind of are going Haaland and Salah or just the one is because they kind of want to accommodate Trippier. What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I really like Trippier. Um, I think the fixtures for Newcastle have been good and I think people expected them to do well in those, not necessarily the levels of which they did against Sheffield United. But yeah, I like Trippier. Botman is your your normal kind of cover pick for him if you don't want to stretch that, but he's injured now and now you're looking at my boy Shah. He's, you know, five million. But yeah, I think they've got West Ham this week, have they? And then they've got you boys at home, Wolves, Arsenal, Bournemouth. So that five reasonable fixtures. It's just, yeah, who else can, you know, if you're wildcarding, you can't have them all, no way. So someone's got to go. And a lot of the time, it's probably going to be a defender that makes way, and I get that. Yeah, and just whilst we're there, I was checking the Newcastle score and they've literally just made it 2-0, mate, against PSG. Can I just say at the time of recording? They are beating PSG 2-0. Ridiculous. They they look good though, don't they? They look back to their best after that rough patch, don't they? Yeah, and they had difficult fixtures, to be fair. They had difficult fixtures to start a season. They're a great side. Um, Yeah, I don't, you know, will they qualify from this group? Maybe. Now, maybe if they get three points tonight. But let's not forget PSG are a bunch of individuals that are paid over too far too much money. So, yeah, Newcastle are a team. Yeah. And this is the the second goal scorer is definitely going to make people jump on a train. And it was Dan Byrne. It was Dan Byrne, see? Yeah. Shame, <laughs> shame it wasn't sharp, but still, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, but I definitely agree with you on Trippier. I think like he does feel like a good asset, but you can sacrifice him this season a bit. I think also last season, everyone kept him in for far too long because he wasn't doing much. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll be really interesting because Tino Livramento got man of the match against Man City and he looked good. Looked really yeah. good, didn't he? So would he be worried about rotating him against the West Ham? Well, this is the thing. I think Trippier will more than likely get 60 more often than not, but they, they need to manage his load. So if the game's comfortable tonight, then he he won't get a full game. If the game's comfortable against West Ham, he won't get a full game. So they need to be careful of his load. So I would say he's worth the risk, but don't expect 90s every week. Yeah, massively, massively agree. And whilst we're talking about goal scorers in the Champions League tonight, at the time of recording, Phil Foden has also scored for Man City. Now, lots of people have been playing around with him, mate. How do you see him? So, I think... in my, So, in my team, I've got Foden, Alvarez and Haaland, Triple City attack. And this week, I'm like, oh, they've got Arsenal. Might not do well, but... Sometimes you forget it's Man City, yeah. best team in the league by a mile, right? By a mile. Phil Foden is just a little genius of a footballer. I think he's amazing. Doesn't necessarily get the FPL returns that he deserves sometimes. I think it was, um, I can't remember what game it was. It was early in the season. Was it the Newcastle game where he put like nine, big, not something ridiculous, like nine yeah. chances for Haaland on a platter? I think he got like max bonus, one assist because he was just creating so many chances. So, I think he's I think he's a mint mint player. It's just it's I think it goes back to the Salah thing. Like if you've got Salah, you probably can't afford because you'll have Son, for example. You probably can't afford him. So you, you've got to go for those Matomas, um, Diabis, though those kind of that price point. So you probably can't afford him. But yeah, I like him. I, I think he's a great player. Like terrible haircut, but great player. Yeah, definitely agree on both ends there. Uh, he he <laughs> does he is good. It's just a shame he doesn't get attacking returns every week because at that price range he'd be really good. It's it's really interesting now with like the attacking depths that you have. But Foden does seem to be that mainstay week in week out. He's being a bit more consistent. So if he did get a few more goals or assists, I think he'd be in everyone's team, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think the De Bruyne injury is helping two players, and that's Foden and Alvarez. So <clears throat> whilst he's out, they should get fairly decent runs in the team. I don't think are we I need to I need to check it, but I'm pretty sure Foden hasn't been 
benched much. I do need to check that, but mainly he's playing. Um, Doku, I thought might impact him. Grealish, I thought might impact him, but where he's playing a bit more centrally, they seem to be replacing other players in the team. So um, until he becomes a problem, I think you can keep him if you're trying to wildcard later on. So me, I'm trying to get through to nine or 10. So 90% sure I'm not going to wildcard this week. Next week, I think depends how this week goes. Um, but 10 is where there's a nice fixture swing. So I'm trying to sort of limp through to that and then hope that I can get a big jump from that. Um, but who knows, mate? Like, I might just get more injuries overnight because it's <laughs> been an absolute it's been an absolute shambles for injuries this week. Like even yeah. in the, even in midweek, it's been crazy. Yeah, it's been ridiculous. And you're right about Foden in the last two he's played. Uh sorry, the last two he's played 90 minutes and 86 minutes. He did have 66 against West Ham, but then he had 89 against Fulham. Only the four against Sheffield United and then 90 and 90. So yeah, you're right. He hasn't been getting dropped as much. But on them injuries, mate. Saka, latest one added to the list. How much do you blame that on Arteta? Because I think there was no need for him to play against Bournemouth due to the fact he already had an injury. Yeah, so there was two things there. There was no need for him to play, but there was also no need for him to pass penalties to other people. Just <laughs> yeah. just slot those, get me my huge haul after everyone sold him, and then do what you like. <laughs> but yeah, like... Arteta's run him into the ground. I think it was weeks ago. There was there was rumours that he's playing with an injury. Yeah, and it's like he's your. I mean, he's you know everyone calls him Star Boy. He's your Star Boy. Give him a rest. Like let him rest. He's only he's only young. Don't you know run him into the ground so early on, especially if they're serious about competing for trophies. Like they need him. Um, yeah, give him a rest. But now it looks like that rest is enforced. And I actually fancied Arsenal to get something at City prior to that. But now I don't think they stand a chance. I think City will just, yeah, destroy them. Yeah, I agree with you a little bit there um, about Saka being easily restable against Bournemouth and not passing penalties like he did. That was rather frustrating. Giving one to Havertz as well. Pity, that is. Pity. Yeah, no good, man. No, for sure. But when Palace had Zaha, yeah, We'd play him all the time. He'd get an injury. It'd be like a two-month injury back after a month. You'd be like, oh, wow, he's back. Last season, Zaha had about six injuries. I know he's much older. He's 30. But that's literally, we ran him into the ground. And Galatasaray's like specialist doctor came out and said, basically, Palace never really let him recover fully. So he had like tons of little injuries. So they actually gave oh. him like a specific program to let him rest and he didn't play for like the first month and a half for Galatasaray and people are like oh he's injury prone he's injury prone now he's fully fit and he scored in his last two against them and you just worry like players like Saka as well yeah he's young now but the way fixtures are going the way World Cup's going the way the Euros are going the added fixtures mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't be playing him every game especially when it's three times in seven days every month or every other week ridiculous I think yeah I agree. It's like it's shaving years off his career, really, because like you say, games are lasting longer with this added time. Tournaments, like international and European tournaments are getting bigger. So there's more and more games for these guys to play. It's not fair on them. It's not fair on them. And like it reminds me a little bit of NFL where like kids would just be playing hurt and stuff because they were desperate for that contract, for that payday. And coaches were desperate, so desperate to win. They'd be like, are you good to play or not? And they'd be like, well, yeah, yeah, I can play. And they'd just throw them out there. No regard for their like welfare at all. Um, and it feels like Arteta's, yeah, he's run him into the ground and they need to give him a rest now. Yeah, man, like the, every Premier League team needs a 25-man squad now. It, about seven or eight of them can be ones where you're like, oh, I don't know if he's up to the level of our club, but he can do a job. But... Yeah. About 16 players now need to be the level of what your team is. So like Palace have only used one sub mainly because we didn't get enough depth and we got like seven injuries or whatever. No, the results been coming our way. But when you see like pure example, Fulham, it was nil-nil, but they brought on, they had five subs across the game. Players of a decent level, adequate level, you know, but but they've got the energy. They're running, they're running, they're going they add a bit more to the game. And then when these subs happen, Fulham started dominating towards the end. And 
it's just every team now with the five subs as well. You're running your players into the ground if you keep them on 90 minutes every game and then they'll get injuries long term. And that's exactly what's happened with Saka. I think it's happened with a few players already this season. I think also like club doctors, there's going to have to be an evolution now. There's or they're going to have to step in a bit because, you know, you can't be running these players into the ground as they're doing. I know there's so much on the line for these managers, but you'd like to think that a club like Arsenal, they'd have a right winger who they could trust against Bournemouth. Yeah. So yeah, big time. Uh, but then yeah. I think for him, that's probably the stress of Man City. You know, it's like we can't step up against Bournemouth. Play your play your strongest eleven just in case. You know. Yeah, a tricky week for them. You know, they obviously want to try and keep pace, but then they've got the Champions League in midweek where he obviously he then gets injured. And then the big game on the weekend. Realistically, wasn't it? Probably wasn't ever going to rest him in the Champions League. So really, he should have rested him against Bournemouth. But they'll pay for it now because. Mm-hmm. He, he might be out for a little while. I haven't seen anything, but he might be out for a little while. Yeah, I'm hearing people saying Arteta tactics still, that it could be quite light. Uh, some people still think he'll oh, okay. start on the weekend. Um, but even if so, if he has got a slight hamstring niggle, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be nope. risking it. You should just let him be getting past the international break. That's the issue as well. Like half The England squad's not looking good. It's not looking good. It's got like two left backs, uh, two full backs probably in total, actually. When you look so at like, the amount of left backs. about eight right backs. <laughs> yeah, I saw someone saying about Tyre Mitchell getting and I was like, there's no way he'll put Levi Cole at left centre back, add more centre backs and have like four right backs. So Harry Maguire will still make the squad though. Yeah, for, and uh, Jordan Henderson probably. So <laughs> yeah. it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um but yeah, man, how's your team looking ahead of game week eight? How are you feeling? And transfers, so, what's your thoughts? So I've got two free transfers. Um, like I said earlier, I've gone from 72k to 1.2 million. So I should probably try and stop the rot a little bit. Um, Saka is injured. Estupinan's injured. Botman's injured. I've already got Son. So like most people are going to do that move this week. So I'm like, well, I, I can't do that. But the players that I want to get rid of, are Sterling and Rashford, but they're fit. So I'm like, well, <laughs> I can't I can't get rid of them. So yeah. I need to I need to have a proper look into it. A stupid ant is probably gonna go. Um I really like the concept. I know we mentioned Villa earlier, probably getting Matty Cash in. But they play tomorrow, so I need to wait, I need to make sure he's fit, because there's no point in bringing him in tonight if he gets injured tomorrow. So might go a stupid ant to Matty Cash. Botman can then maybe sit on the bench and just deal with that later on if I have to. And then I can focus on hearing more about Saka. If Saka is out, then I have got a decision to make. Um, I'm just looking at it now. If I could do three transfers for a cheeky minus four and get a salary in, I'll have to think about that one because that might be a tasty little thing, because I've already got Son. So people, everyone's going for Son. I've already got him. So I might I might look at something like that. But what about you, mate? How is your... You're on wildcard, aren't you? So you're, yep. you've got all the time in the world to just tinker yeah. and have a great time this week, yeah. It has just been fun, you know. It has, you know. I've been having fun with it, tinkering a lot. Uh, front three at the moment, I actually forgot I put Harlan back in. So Harlan, Solanke, Watkins... Neto, Bowen, Son, Madison, Diaz, Udoji, Trippier, Anderson, Taylor, Cash, Ariola, and Strakosha. And then I've got one mil in the bank as well. For me, uh, I know some Brentford mates. I have went Brentford away with them the other week. Thank God they lost because I wouldn't have lived the end of having to be in the way end with Brentford winning against Newcastle. But anyways, they just don't understand how... Strakosha, or however you call it, is not getting a chance in goal with the quality of Flecken this season. I think there's been right. a few moments where Flecken's just not been not been at it. He can pass it about, but it that signing will never make sense to me from a Brentford POV. They normally have some top scouting, whatever. But he's I didn't realise he's 30 years old. You know, they brought uh, this is Flecken, 30 years old, brought him yeah. in as the rare replacement, but he just doesn't seem to be anywhere close. And that goal he conceded against Nottingham Forest. Look, 
I'm probably hoping that the other goalie might come in. So then I just at least have two goalies. But with Ariola there, I'm happy because I think he'll either get the save points or the clean sheets this season. And I know some people worried, like, if he makes a mistake, Fabianski may come in. But personally, I just don't see it. Like, Ariola's playing in both competitions. Fabianski's like 36 now. Just don't see it anymore uh, for him, sadly. But yeah, rest of my team, I think my decisions are, do I keep Trippier? Do I go for Salah? Do I keep Solanke? Which I probably will. I just love that. I just love that punt. Um, But yeah, I think apart from that, unless... Villa, you were saying about Matty Cash before, I think that'll be interesting because they lost their first Conference League game. So I think he'll go a bit more full strength unless something drastic happens there. I personally, in the back of my head, I'd just love to not have Watkins in my team. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just, I know he got the hat trick. I know, but that's what's worrying me, I think. Like, jumping on the bandwagon doesn't help and it doesn't work. I don't think it's worked at all this season. Um, and I've done it a couple of times, but you never learn, do you? It's and there's I've got no Arsenal in there long term. My one thing is I'm also looking at Odegaard. Could easily get him in. Um, yeah. Could go Watkins, Alvarez, Overgaard, Odegaard, someone work it out. You know what I mean? I think you want to focus on the next four with a wild yeah. card. Focus on the next four. That's decent because you obviously get transfers, don't you? You get transfers to you know help you out as you go along. So. Try and keep it to the next four on maximum upside and then just have a plan for five and six at like the next couple of weeks after that if there's someone you're desperately going to want and just make sure that you can manoeuvre your pieces around to get them. If, you know, Salas, for example, if you go about them, um, that's how I try and play anyway. But I um, I do like your team. I think it's a good team. I think it's probably quite a strong, could be a quite a strong wild card. fingers crossed for you. Um you just have to see how it goes, mate. I have had a little look at my transfers while you've been talking. Yeah. I could do a stupid answer cash, Rashford down to Ward Prowse, and then Saka to Salah for minus four. I think that's it, honestly. It's honestly, I think that is. And you know what, as well, I think a lot of people, including myself, do is then they look at their transfers and how many points they got and blah, blah, blah. But if you're looking at the free transfers you're making, Rashford's been shocking. He looked no confidence against Galatasaray. Yeah, he could score against Brentford and Sheffield United, but if you're doing that to get in Salah Cash um, and War Prowse, that on paper is so, so strong. Does that leave you with any money in the bank? I've got 0.1 wiggle room, so I okay. need to keep an eye on prices. And yeah. I'm, it might be that I have to move relatively quickly. Like having so. a quick look now. Um, hang on a sec. So none of them appear to be near so it I might be alright but a stupid Anne you know what Sterling's the most likely to go down oh, Sterling most likely to go down um, so I might be alright you know but if it without then I'm, I'm basically I'm paying four points not to wildcard if that makes sense so I can hold the wildcard for a bit longer and then if Rashford fl- starts going crazy again um, which I'm not necessarily sure he will because his next three fixtures are Brentford, United and Man City. I could bring him in for 11 because then he's got Fulham, Luton, Everton. So yeah. I could go back to him there. It's tempting. Tempting. Needs to think about it a bit more. I think what's good about your team is you already had Son. Uh, yep. You can now move to uh, Salah. You've obviously got Haaland. You've got like players a lot of people who are wild carding are going for. So you kind of got your back covered with 70% of the template, let's say. Um, yeah. So it's, I'd say for minus four here, it's probably definitely worth it. For me, when I, I'd definitely jump on it if I was you. I'd just wait for the European games tomorrow, which is annoying, I know, but um, you just don't know what's going to happen, do you? Yeah. I mean, on the one side, we're ahead of the curve, but on the other side, I've dropped 1.1 million <laughs> spaces in three weeks. So That is mad. I'm like 2.5 yeah. mil, mate. It's ridiculous. That's when I was like, pulling the trigger. I don't even remember my old team. Like I can't even remember it. I can only remember my Jose. I imagine they were much special, mate. <laughs> like, but it's been so hard this season. So hard. Like I don't see many people on Twitter that are absolutely smashing it. Whereas most season, oh, apart from a guy that um, I've known for years and um, meet up with on occasion, 
uh, John, he, I think he was like 500th in the world, but every other year he's like having a shocker. <laughs> so <laughs> balancing out. Yeah. But yeah, most people are having a real tough time of it at the moment. And I can't really understand why, but it's the game we love in it. We just play. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And oh, man, I think I've already given myself some tips for next season for sure. I'm really going to try and have some fun with it next season because I have enjoyed it this season despite my ranking, which is quite funny. Um, I have had a bit more of a laid back approach, but I really want to attack it different differential wise next season and maybe come the new year this season um, just to see what happens. See what you you are, right? yeah. yeah. So it's uh, we'll see what happens with that. Anything else you want to raise in today's pod, mate? No, I think we've covered quite a lot, actually. I've had a nice little chinwag about all yeah. things FPL. Got some stuff off my chest about uh, the referees in this league um, and my shocking game week. But I like the sound of my little minus four. So I need to think about that a bit more. But hopefully that's the road to recovery. I really like the sound of that minus four, can't I? I'm, I'm still arming an R in between Bowen and Ward Prowse. I think they've both got so many different reasons as to why one's better than the other. So that's going to be like a big punt. Um, but yeah, I really I, like yeah. your minus four. I prefer Bowen, mate. I just can't afford him. So yeah, yeah, Ward yeah. Prowse is a nice is a nice silver medal. Definitely, definitely for sure. Um, to be fair, FPL fella, who's West Ham fan, he was putting Ward Prowse as his like, number one choice over the three. Fair. So, fair. Right. so yeah. Well, that has been not another FPL pod on Toto Football. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at underscore Toto Football, as well as on Spotify, Toto Football. We are also on YouTube where you have seen these lovely graphics. That has been all from today. Be sure to subscribe and like the video if you have enjoyed it on YouTube. I really appreciate the subscribers coming in. We're getting a few more slowly but surely, which is really nice to see. Let us know if you're wildcard in this game week as well and what transfers you like. Rich, anything else to say before the end? Just thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Hope you like the new graphics. And um, yeah, we're going to keep growing this thing and um, just see where it takes us. Cheers. Yeah. And one thing actually for listeners is we did a Twitter space last week and I don't know about you, mate. I quite enjoyed it. So maybe we'll bring that back over the international break for one. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Yeah, man. All right, guys. Well, that's been it from Not Another FPL Pod. We will see you later.